Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,100 miles south-southeast of me, is Kip Fisher. And tonight we come to you with episode number 71 on June 20th, 2014. How the heck are you, my man? I'm doing much better than I have been the rest of the week, so I can't complain. How about you I would agree with that statement completely. <laughs> It hasn't been that awful bad, is it? You had tonight to look forward to. How bad could it be? Oh, I did, but man, oh man, there was a lot of gobbledygook to look forward, or to look through in order to see tonight, let me tell you. Mm. Gobbledygook, is that a technical term enough for you? Yeah, I'm I'm getting lost in the jargon there, but I think I'm trying to follow. (laughs) Uh, So what's new and exciting? Everybody uh, happy, healthy over at your house? You had a little bit of a... Difficult weekend last week, I hear. Yeah, the wife had some uh, pretty serious emergency dental needs that had to be taken care of that were unexpected, but she's all fixed up now, and I think we're all healthy and happy and just glad to be here. Did you have a nice Father's Day other than that? I did, yeah. Kind of a, a relaxed day of hanging out with the kids because she was ill with her tooth. <laughs> I had uh, I had a really really nice Father's Day, but uh, you know what? I will add this other topic that I was just going to talk about right here to the what else has been going on in the world of cigars because I have a feeling it could be quite a rat hole that uh, a lot of our listeners perhaps have uh, in common with me, and I'll be very interested to hear what your perspective as well as others is on it. So. I won't even get into it. I was going to talk about a conversation I had with my wife on Father's Day. Well, cool. We will be looking forward to it anxiously. But, so we, uh, we seem to uh, have hit a an absolute glut of um, news this week. I, I'm just shocked in watching all the sites and everything and reading up and getting email announcements. How much substantial information has come out about the cigar industry this week? That is true, and we're only going to get a chance to get to a small sampling of it tonight, but uh, we'll see what we can cover. Well, we have an unbanded this week, which is uh, always fun. Tonight's from Officer Paul. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Paul. I see you're, he's in the chat room tonight. What do we got here? What are we looking at? we got, by my uh, estimation, it's six inches by about a 52 ring. It actually looks like it may be just just a smidge oversized, but it's a little smaller than the 54, so I'm going with the 52 is more likely. Um, kind of a medium chocolate brown kind of coloration to it. Pretty evenly colored, actually. Um, very evenly colored. Um, not a whole lot else about it. Mine felt a little more dense at the foot than the head, which I thought was strange, you know. Commonly, that that's the other way around uh, when they break the tips off and, and include them in the head of the cigar. But uh, overall, it looks and seems to be built really well. I don't see any glaring issues. I did notice really prominent couple of little, uh, what I call them, sunspots. I don't know what they actually are. They're not water spots. They're just little, uh, looks like wood putty stuffed into a hole. But, uh, I always I see, thought they were water spots, actually. I think water spots are a little less well-defined than that. 
I don't know. Be a good thing to talk about on the show sometime. <laughs> Maybe we know some uh, real smart cigar guys who've got a podcast who can put something together on that. Perhaps. We'll call Perhaps. Will Cooper. He's in the chat room. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have an answer, that yep. brilliant bastard. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous of his retention, that's for sure. Well, but I am lighting up. That is why I'm dreadfully quiet. Pardon me. I um, I just kind of mentioned this right before we started uh, broadcasting that the uh, aroma off the foot of mine was fairly sweet, uh, like really sweet, unlit, um, almost a syrupy kind of sweetness. Uh, don't get necessarily a lot of that when I lit it, uh, but not really anything in the way of spice. It, it immediately tastes Dominican to me, and of course I'm all of a 32nd of an inch into it, so I can't really make that kind of judgment, but uh, nothing that screams Nicaraguan at all to me so far. Well, I um, I gave mine a good hard sniff uh, on the foot before we lit it, and uh, it delayed the starting of the show just a bit because it induced a, a sneeze, which was interesting, not just because it induced a sneeze, but much more because it the aroma to me was was kind of reminiscent of that mid '90s Dominican mild cigar. Um, how you know you open up a box of Ashton cabinets and how that kind of sweet mild light tobacco aroma smells. That's how this foot smelled to me. Um, but yet it tingled as if it was um, something a little stronger, something with a little bit more spiciness to it, which is just I. I don't think that I've ever experienced that before. Such a complete opposite sensation versus aroma. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Except maybe I didn't get quite the the spice off of it that you seem to have. It didn't give me any kind of tingle through the nose. But you know, I wonder if I guess I I said two things that could um, uh, I, I guess relate to each other. If I'm you know, if I'm going to uh, think of a mild cigar, typically those are Connecticut shade grown wrappers or um, light tobacco that doesn't have a ton of processing, can't take a ton of processing. And at times, I find that Connecticut shade or um, lightly fermented tobacco can have actually more, um, oh my gosh, what's the um, the chemical that you smell when you have cigars that are not properly processed or not ammonia? fully processed. Ammonia. You know, I, I I tend to get a little bit of ammonia or like an astringent nature from a lot of lighter cigars if they're completely fresh. They just don't seem to have had the processing to have gotten rid of all of that. And so I'm wondering if maybe this has got a little bit of youthful tobacco in it. Although it's sat in our humidors for six months at least, so yeah. that doesn't make much sense. Yeah, we've I had these for, for a while. But mine so far burning perfectly. I don't know if you can kind of see that in the the thing there. I mean, it just immediately took to light. It didn't take any finagling or anything. It just lit right up. And that is completely opposite of mine. I, I uh, gave mine a quick, well, not quick, probably 30-second heat up with a little uh, soft flame. I thought that it had taken, and it definitely hadn't, so I resorted to a cedar spill to light it up just because I thought it would take a little bit more uh, flame than what I would have expected to get it lit. 
Yes, Cigar Coop uh, says in his chat room that he didn't get a good chance to see and mentioned maybe it's Frog Eyes. I, I don't think the Frog Eyes Coop, I don't know if you can maybe see that little bear. It's a well-defined, really light area. There's no no green in there. You, oftentimes you see green with, with what, what you're talking about there. It's not wanting to focus on that, but anyway. It's, oh, there, there it is. You just got it. Yeah, and, and so it's it's... It's that it actually shows up a lot on Don Carlos, which is a Cameroon wrapper, and I will bet my life this is not a Cameroon wrapper on this. Um, eh, maybe not my life, but I'd bet a lot on it because it seems really hardy. I don't. I, this doesn't seem as delicate as a Cameroon wrapper, but you know what? I've been fooled before. This does seem very, very hardy. Seems very, very thick. Um, I wouldn't say it's Ecuadorian, but I'd say, you know, maybe this is, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's Habano. It's got the veining like Habano, um, but if it is Habano, it's Nicaraguan grown, um, or maybe even Dominican grown Habano. It's definitely not Ecuadorian. It would be much thinner and more delicate, I think. Yeah, it's not silky smooth, but I can kind of feel, you know, a some oiliness in there when I rub my thumb across the wrapper. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. It's an interesting stick. It it, it right off the bat, it kind of shouted to me in appearance and size and um, um, smell as if it might have been a Latelier, but I don't, I don't think that's the case based on flavor. It doesn't seem to really have any of that kind of Nicaraguan or Pepine hallmark that I'd expect to, to taste here. Right. Hmm. Hmm. But it is pretty good so far. It has it still has some of that uh has sweetness that uh that was there, but it's maybe not quite as dark as what I was smelling. Uh, it's a little a little bit brighter sweetness. No, I definitely agree with you there. I def I I do not think that it's darker sweetness. It's not molassesy um it's. Oh, I'm losing my headphones. I. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to hear to talk, do you? Well, the microphone is connected to the headphones, so uh, if they go down, it all is gone. <laughs> um, it's much more in line with a little bit of brightness, like what I was thinking from the aroma. Something that's maybe a little crisper, some tobacco that uh, isn't deep, dark, rich. Um, nearly Maduro after processing. This this seems much closer to a Connecticut shade in that crisp characteristic than it does a Connecticut broadleaf. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm tracking hmm. with you. Hmm. Well, what else we got lined up for tonight? Oh, tonight's a heck of a show. I mean, anytime we have an unbanded, it's always fun, but uh, tonight's will most certainly be that, and uh, one from, as we mentioned, a longtime show fellow, Officer Paul. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, we do have lots of substantial news. Well, I don't know about lots, but we have uh, a surprising amount of substantial news as we're now about a month away from IPCPR uh, at the close of June, or the, nearing the close of June. Um, I also have a very needed and very unsuccessful attempt at a mental reboot shortly before showtime that I thought would be a fun topic to discuss here. Uh, and uh, as well, a holdover email from last week talking about one of my favorite topics, something that I'm very passionate and interested in when it comes to cigars. So 
I, I'm really looking forward to tonight. It's uh, it's looking to be a, if nothing else, a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking right now? What up? Uh, this sweetness is that uh, almost but not quite kind of citrusy flavor that that comes across to me out of the the Brazilian tobaccos. Kind of like oh. a kinder, gentler version of the, the what you get out of a Monte Pascal that's maybe a little more subdued than that. Hmm. That almost baby aspirin kind of citrus, not a, not a lemon, not a grapefruit, none of that. Just a really sweet kind of orangey citrus. Baby aspirin citrus? What is baby aspirin citrus? When I was a kid, the baby aspirin was these little orange tablets that had a citrus kind of flavoring agent in them. Oh, really? It's kind of a dry, powdery citrus, a dusty citrus, like I called it. Hmm. <laughs> Well, there's definitely a little bit of crispness here. I'm not sure, or I'm sorry, a little bit of citrus here. I'm not sure if it's, if it's, uh, you know, if I could say that it's orange-like or, you know, to say a dusty citrus. I think a tang. If I think dusty citrus. Oh no, um, no, no. And I certainly don't get that here, but um, it's got some of that sweetness to it. It definitely has the crispness, um, almost an astringent crispness, not in a not in a way that would turn me off, but again, that kind of Connecticut astringent crispness to it. It's, you know what? I wonder if it's olor. I wonder if there's some Dominican olor in there. That that tends to have a, a little bit of that to me. Hmm. There's getting deeper into this. They're not deeper into the length of the cigar, but really kind of trying to pull out. Um, uh, some of the flavors here. I'm getting a little bit of woodiness, too. It's hmm. not strong, and it doesn't come across with uh, strength behind it, but almost some of what I typically call uh, halapin woodiness. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which is unexpected, because it definitely does not taste like a Nicaraguan-themed cigar whatsoever. No, not at, not at all. I mean, it doesn't have that that kind of, uh, at least not the uh, what we've known as Nicaraguan cigars the past ten years with that really bold kind of spice. Mm. It's an enjoyable cigar, though, no doubt about it. Yeah. Mm. I'm a digging it. Well, you uh, you want to jump into the news at this point? Sure. Let's see what we got. As you as you light us up with a bit of humor at the st- at the start. Oh, well, I don't know that it's humor, but yeah, <laughs> I chuckled. <laughs> that didn't take much. <laughs> uh, Drew Estate is putting out. I said they're releasing some new bacon. They're putting out a uh, a KFC, Ba-da-ba. the Kentucky Fire Cured version of the Flying Pig. And uh, I, I guess yeah, this news kind of leaked out some time ago, and, and it was more or less, uh, uh, I guess, at least thought to be kind of a, uh, uh, not maybe a shop exclusive, but really focused around the Oxmoor Smoke Shop. And, and indeed, that is where uh, it's launching, but it will subsequently release nationally at IPCPR this summer. Um, 
they, they are going to do, I guess, a, what do you call it, a soft launch at Oxmoor, uh, which is in Louisville, Kentucky, which makes sense. It's Kentucky Firecurrent. <laughs> and I think that's what Drew Estate, or what Drew Estate, what Jonathan Drew, oh, I got a funny story. Too. This is an absolute rat hole, but it cracks me. A <laughs> friend, friend of mine two weeks ago they're, they're went to the cigar shop here. Locally, local, local, not Tampa, just very nearby, and it's it's essentially a cigar store that started selling or a cigarette store that started selling some cigars, and they've actually built up a good humidor, but their staff is is entirely clueless, and uh, the the lady that was running the counter was saying, "Hey, did you sign up for our event this week?" And he said, "No, I didn't know you're having one." He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, Drew Estate himself is coming to to rep his cigars, you know, the tatuajes. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like, I don't even know how to respond to how many different kinds of wrong are in that, uh, <laughs> that, that statement. Um, but anyway, it turns out I think it was actually Rex Snyder, who used to be an Ashton rep. He was coming through town and was doing an event. He now works for Drew Estate. And, uh, <laughs> It it was it was hilarious even recounted I wasn't even there. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's one of those Affleck duck moments. Uh, oh, it was. I I can't imagine being the guy standing across the counter from her telling that without just completely losing it. But ah <laughs> uh, yes, the um. KFC Flying Pig's going to come in the same Vitola, of course. The Flying Pig is 3 and 15 sixteenths inch long by 60 ring. 60 in the center. It's tapered on the ends, of course, for those of you that have seen them. 12-count boxes. Um, I'm looking now at the press release here for the for my version of rewriting it. The line is expected to come with all the smoky overtones featured in the standard Kentucky Fire Cured line since its release last year. Um, it does have some fire cured tobacco, of course, being part of that line. Same tobacco we've talked about with the KFC, with the Lucia Black, with the um, George Rico American Puro. Um, anyway, that's out there. I know that there is a hefty contingent of Drew Estate fanboys out there because uh, I encounter them all the time. And I know those guys will be doing everything in their power to try to get these at the launch. Uh, but maybe tough. It's kind of a private event, according to the press release. But in any event, these will be available nationally a- after the show. And they went out of their way to say in the press release that it will be available to all Drew Estate accounts. This is not um, you know, limited to the bigger accounts or the Liga accounts or anything like that. It, it'll be uh, from all appearances. Anybody who has an account with Drew State will be able to get them. I don't think I've ever had a Drew State flying pig of any sort. Hmm. There was the flying pig. It's actually a an old school Cuban vitola. <clears throat> an illegal Cuban Vitola. I don't know why, but rollers aren't allowed to roll it. Um, and uh, somehow it got its... Uh, somehow the, the boys at Drew Estate in 07, 08 got a wild hair to, to do that. And I wonder I wonder how that began. I bet that's a fun story. Why did Saka, Malio, and and um, uh, John Drew say, hey, let's let's bust this out. I wonder why. 
Hmm. I cannot answer that question. I bet somebody knows. I mean, that that sounds like the sort of thing that would have been discussed in ad nauseum five, six years ago. Yeah. Hmm. Good question. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here just on fire right now. I'm I'm just I, I'm gonna have to go get a mop for the sweat momentarily if something doesn't break in the way. I'm just I'm just trying not to go off on a rant about something that doesn't even bother me right now. What else we well, got? If it if it makes you feel any better, it's sixty eight degrees, thirty five percent humidity. And I'm sitting in a completely conditioned room. Yeah, I I'm okay. I'm enduring. I gotta get get myself built up for this. I reckon if we're gonna move somewhere even toastier than Florida, I'm gonna have to get used to it. <laughs> that was a tinge of regret there, wasn't it? Be ready for it twelve months out of the year instead of ten. Oh no, man! You got a gorgeous December, January, February ahead of you. That's true. Well, our next story is kind of neat. All the details are not out, and quite frankly, there probably has been some more today since I added this to the show notes, but I was fascinated by what they're doing here, and and the guy who says packaging can only sell me one cigar would probably <laughs> buy a, a, you know, a unit of these just to get the packaging. <laughs> La Flor Dominicana is putting out a 20th anniversary cigar. Uh, they were still trying to pin down a, a name for it, I guess. But the packaging is cool as can be. It's going to come in uh, a beer stein, essentially, the, the, the cigars will. And I was looking, trying to find it here. If I, could, I can't get a, a picture that would open up. But it, it's kind of a neat thing, you know, it, I don't know how it directly ties to a 20th anniversary being in a beer stein. I'm sure there's something there. But, or if it's just, hey, this is special and unique packaging. We have a special and unique cigar we're going to put out. Let's, let's just put your peanut butter with my uh, chocolate and see what happens. But <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, going to see the cigars. I'm reading from the Cigar Aficionado site. This has now been broadcast all across the interwebs. I think they were the first that published it. Uh, says they're going to be made of a core of Dominican tobacco grown by Gomez, being Lido Gomez, who has evolved into not only a cigar maker, but a farmer. The wrappers will be dark leaves grown in Mexico, San Andres Valley. I'm digging the San Andres right now for a number of reasons, um, but um, which has only appeared on one other La Flor Dominicana cigar, which was the Factory Press 4, which I believe we talked about about a year ago when it absolutely whipped me and just pounded me in the ground. That cigar killed me for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> anyway, due out into the market in September, uh, limited production of 60,000 cigars, 220 in each in each jar. Uh, but the Stein is really cool. It looks like a really nice ceramic German kind of beer Stein. Uh, Really ornate decoration on it. Cool, cool decoration. If you're a an LFD fan, I imagine you probably want to grab one of those. It's actually the the idea of a ceramic jar. Um, again, is a an old school Cuban idea that's been around and been popularized in the non-Cuban uh, 
Invincible World by Pete Johnson with his black label, his initial black label re- releases. Um, and this right away reminds me of that. It reminds me of some of the, the traditional old school pre-revolution Cuban jars, which are just filled with almost floral prints and bright colors and really, really ornate designs. Um, except this has a handle on it. it it's, it's kind of neat. I mean, I'm sure it's got to be a decent girth, you know, probably about five inches in diameter or so, six inches in diameter. So this is not a small stein whatsoever. No, but, it looks looks substantial in the picture anyway. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. It, it would need, you know, I hope that they don't have any problems with those those jars or porcelain jars, whatever. They are notorious for being delayed. Yeah, and Viaje put out their version this past year with the double-edged sword, and the, the jars were fine and packed appropriately, but apparently many of the cigars were beaten to death by the time they got to the end user. I got a couple jars up on my wall up there. I got a Cohiba Millennium jar up there. Let's see if we can see that. Yeah, you probably can't see it. And one of the tat uh, black jars up there, too. They, they, oh, sorry. Boy, now I've made everybody on the YouTube feed ill with all the movement I've just had, but... I'm having a Blair Witch moment here. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. I I really love, um, there's something about the packaging when it's those jars that I really, really am drawn to. Um, And I have had a fond place in my heart with uh, some of the LFD releases after I have been made... Uh, a hypocrite and proven that they are truly masterful growers of tobacco. They have some really, really splendid stuff that they put out that they grow in the Dominican. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying this at least and pending price, maybe even investing in a jar. Yeah. And, and it sounds like maybe this is a little more bigger scope, but if you remember the, um, Airbender Maduro, they put into the yep. Casa del Tabac, the little huts that they fabricated. Those were really cool, but you couldn't either just buy the house and you couldn't buy singles of the cigars unless you knew where to go. Uh, you had to buy you know, a nearly $400 package to get either of the two. Yeah. Uh, but actually, a place up there close to you... Um, Something Schwartz. What's a sh- cigar store? Jack Schwartz. Jack Schwartz. They were selling the uh, the cigars themselves without the packaging, and at, at actually at a good price. And I, that's where I got the ones I sent in as unbanded on the uh, Dog Watch episode. Within the you past sent year. in Maduro Airbenders. Yeah. Damn! I wish I was on that show. Hmm. I sent enough for you, so if you didn't get them, they went somewhere else. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, well. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. Not, it's neither here nor there at this point. And I think Bob may have guessed that cigar. I believe he knew, he, he got that cigar. What? Yeah. Wow. Kudos yeah, it, to him. It, it, absolute kudos to him. That was, that was insane that he got that cigar, but he did. Sure enough. I, uh... I think we need a, a little time out to talk about this cigar of the week, if you don't mind. Absolutely. All right, I am going to say two words, and you tell me immediately what you think. No. 
candied ginger. I can see where you're coming from, but I would not have come up with that on my own for sure. All right, well, let's go a little sharper, a little less sweet. How about pickled ginger? <laughs> How many different kinds of ginger are there? Oh, man, we could go on for hours. No, candy ginger is like the crystallized candy, uh, and pickled ginger is what you get with sushi. That I can, I can, I'm more on board with that. Yep, I'm with you. That is a really, really unique sweetness. And it's it's got a savory core to it too, and I'm not yes I, that kind of semi savory core it does kind of line up with that woodiness because there's a little bit of that woody earthy flavor that you get with ginger because it is a root. I'm that is that is absolutely what I've been tasting this whole time pickled ginger. I'll go along with that. I, not that I eat much pickled ginger. I have grabbed a little slice of it when we're having sushi or something, but it's pretty rare. Um, hmm. I'm learning. Mm. Oh, man. Okay. If for some odd reason, having that realization, uh, having that realization just makes this that much more enjoyable. Why in the world would that be? I don't know. Huh. You've eliminated your fear of the unknown. <laughs> That's true. It's a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> now it doesn't matter how badly you blow the gas. You'll be like, you know, but I got that ginger flavor out of it. You know, I don't even care. I got the ginger flavor. Yep, exactly. I am an inch into this cigar so far, and I, I'm having one of those moments that's making me think I need to talk about something on the show, but most people, I'm sure, will find it to be really stupid. Have you ever... I'm going to do it anyways. Have you ever noticed that the ash isn't the same size as the cigar before it was burned? Before it was lit? Excuse me. Yeah. I, I've i never really measured what the loss is, you know, how much is left or, or, or I guess, wasted. Uh, when you smoke the cigar, but this one is perfect. I'm exactly one inch in, and I have exactly three quarters of an inch of ash. On You're there. kidding. What? That is, I never would have guessed that much shrinkage. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Seinfeld episode. Hello. <laughs> yeah, here, I'll, I'll hold it up. You can tell for yourself. Let's well, put it right at account for the cap, and there you go. I don't know if you can see. Yeah, you're off the screen, but sure. Oh, sorry. Is that better? Um, I can't really measure mine. My ash fell off in the ashtray when I laid it down. Nope, my ash is perfect. My burn is uh, uh, as near as makes no difference to razor. Slightly flaky. I'd say uh, a lighter ash than rather than dark, but it does have some dark patches to it. Um it doesn't seem like it's going to hang on for much more than an inch or so, or so of ash. So I probably got a few puffs left, but I don't know if you can see mine. It kind of flares at the end. Mm -hmm. And then it just fell off right there. It was as if there was a little separation there or something. Well, I have absolutely no uh no flare or mushroom. It's leaning slightly, but it's not a negative on the cigar whatsoever. Sure. Hmm. 
All right. All right. Back to the notes. Sorry Back for that minor delay. No worries. That's what we're here for. Ah, let's see what else we got here. 724, Kirk Kendall's Cigar Company, up there in Boondoggle, New England somewhere. Um, I put in here, regrettably, we've spoken little of this company at all outside of their legal battle with Iconic this past year. And they make some fantastic cigars, but uh, just wanted to throw out there, he has a new cigar coming out this fall called the Factory 57, and there's actually a very long story on why it's called that and how it came to be. And I have a press release that came in in a bundle of releases this week that I still need to get posted up. But uh, it, it sounds like a pretty cool cigar. It's going to have a five-country blend. Um, per, the, per this release, it's going to have... High primed Jalapa, uh, of course, Nicaraguan Habano wrapper. Um, and actually, let me read the three sentences here. A high primed Jalapa Habano wrapper leaf whose upper location on the plant produces a more resinous tobacco. The binder is from Costa Rican, Costa Rican fields of tobacco near, no, dang, I, I give up. People can't read tonight. Um, the binder is from the Costa Rican fields of tobacco giant Nestor Placencia, while the filler blend is Honduran, Nicaraguan, San Andres, and Colombian. And it, here's what caught my eye on this. There's three years of tobacco aging and six months of cigar aging um, before this thing is going to ship to market. So, you know, I guess that's probably close to the norm these years, but everybody doesn't always publish how how long they've held a given tobacco. You know, you, you, you don't know. You can guess, make averages and, and whatnot. But he at least says, you know what, this tobacco is this many years old. Before we roll it, it's been held this long after rolling. Um, Fuente, of all people, who normally doesn't tell anything about their cigars or what's in them, they do talk about how long cigars are held before, you know, they have established plans. The regular Chateau line is held only here the Thunder. Oh, I do. A minimum of three months. Um, the uh, Opus is held a minimum of 12 months. They, ha they have specifics there, but a lot of people don't tell this. Um, but anyway, the uh, Factory 57's going to come in the following sizes. A 6x46 Corona for $6.75 MSRP. 5x50 Robusto at 7 and a quarter, 7x50 Churchill for 8 and a quarter, and a 6x60 Gordo for 9 bucks. Um, and they also go on to mention that these cigars, all these cigars, are 100% intubado bunched, uh, which is a process we've talked about before, rolling where you essentially have a bundle of straws rather than you know, an accordion folded up bundle of leaves or whatever when, when they're uh, making the bunch um, claims that wrapper tobacco is triple fermented, which is a little bit of a, a vague term, I suppose, but supposed uh, to prevent bitterness. The Cuban Cohiba brand marketed that way, way back when, when it first hit public consumption, that that was what differentiated it from other Cuban cigars and justified its higher price tier. And it's been thrown about in other cigars. I, for some reason, I think, I think there's been uh, 
a relatively well-known non-Cuban that advertised that triple fermentation on the wrapper. I wonder what the heck it was. Hmm. For some reason, I'm thinking it was an early tatuaje, but I, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. I don't recall. Oh well. well. Our next little story is more a, a blurb than a significant story to me, but I know you're a big fan of this cigar, and I thought you'd be interested in yeah, at least hearing about it. Absolutely. Uh, Davidoff, uh, who we're all familiar with, and of course we most of us probably remember they released uh, their Davidoff Nicaragua, uh, I guess a year ago now. Yeah. And uh, they're adding to that line this year, this summer. Uh, they're adding a Primeros, which is four and one eighth inch by thirty-four, which is a very small cigar by my standards, even even by my standards, um, and the Diademus. Venus, which is six and a half inch by fifty, I will assume that is a diademus shape. It's not just a name they've attached to it. Um, I don't know how they normally measure that. Is the fifty the widest part of, near the foot down there? Oh, probably. But yeah. uh, Davidoff has previously done a diadema fina um, in their. I want to say it was their Millennium. Release not the Millennium cigar. No, it couldn't have been the Millennium because they have the line called Millennium. What the heck was it? The anniversary, the hundred-year anniversary. There was a there was a a jar actually, I believe, that came out with Davidoff's probably ten years ago. I'm gonna have to think of what that what the heck that was. Hmm. But anyways, that's where they first popularized the Dia de Mafina size. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Ecuadorian binder, Dominican, Nicaraguan fillers. Uh, the the Primeros, the little one at least, will have two different versions, two different wrappers. One with Nicaraguan, and I did not catch uh, specifically anything more than Nicaraguan. And the other, a Mexican Sumatran. Uh, hmm. I, I put a note here I, <laughs> that Davidoff's the only company I knew that could get away with charging six bucks for a four and an eighth by 34 cigar. But more power <laughs> to a man if the, if the market will hold it. Have at it. Um, the Diademus Finas will set you back 18 bucks if you want one of those. So they're coming. They're out there. I will let you smoke all you like of those. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I don't mean any offense like that. I like the cigar, but uh, for the same price, I would probably opt for something else. I can confirm a very quick internet search does confirm that it is the 100th anniversary Davidoff Diadema Fina uh, in 2006, eight years ago, not ten, um, which those were absolutely spectacular, really, really enjoyable sticks. Um, and before we get too far removed from the last uh, uh, news item, I think I want to jump back in and talk a little bit about something here that might be uh, sure. A topic for future consumption. Um, with that that 724, it says specifically in the release, three years of tobacco aging. I it, There was a rumbling five, six years ago for um, almost a uh, an overseeing body uh, with tobacco, with cigars specifically, which would establish some sort of regulations. Like you couldn't say that a cigar was made with 20-year-old tobacco or consisted of 20-year-old tobacco um, if, you know, one quarter of one leaf 
was 20 years old and the rest of it was unfermented garbage. Um, you know, like saying something was a vintage 1990 or vintage 1992, right. if that was just a name, didn't actually represent something that thunder, that yeah, went yeah. along with the cigar. Um, and so this comment about the, the 724, uh, this cigar having three years of tobacco aging, um, I wonder what that truly is. Is that tobacco aging in bales, or is it stated in this, as in three years of aging, meaning once it was primed, it was at least three years until it was rolled into a cigar? I do not know the answer to that. I, I, I mean, I know what's in my head, that it's in a bale, mm-hmm. um, but that that doesn't really mean a lot in, in actuality. You know, when you get down to brass tacks in a factory somewhere, who knows? Without such a governing body, it's it's up to the integrity of the manufacturer. I don't remember who it was. I, I feel like there was some industry bigwig that kind of championed this in 2008, 2009, this idea of, you know, let's just have a third-party organization set up these standards, which would essentially um, uh, allow people to know that, you know, if you have, like like Italian wines, there's DOC or DOCG, um, which are essentially just um, hallmarks, we could say, to state that, oh, this wine is of a certain level of quality or this wine is of a certain level of quality, and it's a brand or a whatever, a, a vineyard that's been around for a certain number of years, whatever it was. Um, something along those lines. And the discussion was met with great opposition, that it was, um, it essentially became a political discussion. Oh, now you're just having, now you're just uh, forcing big government on uh, the cigar industry. We don't need more regulation. We need less, blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't at all, I feel, whoever this manufacturer was, it wasn't at all their intention to move towards regulation. It was much more based in integrity. Um, And looking at this release, it makes me think of that. It makes me think that, quite frankly, uh, my support for that organization five, six years ago would still be steadfast. I I wish, as a consumer, we had some sort of regulation, eh, some sort of standards like that, so you and I could know exactly what was being purchased and put in our humidor. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't want the government stepping in because their track record is not the best, and that's not a uh, politically tuned statement. That's just, in general, government handling of things doesn't often end successfully. But if it could be an industry standard where it was a third party um, with maybe no stake in it, I could I could be on board with it. And that's that's what I intended to convey. I said government in that <clears throat> that was the argument against that it would seem as if it was government regulation or on par with government regulation, which was mm-hmm. never the intention that I understood it right. to be. But yeah, I'm with you. Mm. Okay, you dig it. Regular, resuming regularly scheduled programming. Sorry for that delay. Oh, we do. Well, the next story is uh, me again. Last week's show was all about 
I mean, this week it's only a little bit of last change this week to the uh, new review guidelines or review architecture at the Cigarmi. Um, and it actually was a change that I, I, I had planned on initially, but had some trouble with the formatting of the theme to make it work and display properly. And, and what the first change was I went to the traditional 100-point scale rather than a 10-point scale with decimals. Um, you know, I guess it maybe looked a little too much like the metric system to most American folks, but uh, <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people didn't like that. And I, I, I get it. If you see, a, uh, you know, an 8.7 doesn't automatically click through to your brain as exact uh, as an 87. So yeah, it's a semantic difference, but it's a difference nonetheless. Um, and, and like I said, that was my original intent. I got a number of comments. Hey, is it, you know, it's a little bit confusing you maybe taking too big a bite here at one time and I, was, yeah, I, I can see where they were coming from I, I agreed so I made the change I believe I've updated the entire file now to show that um, and the second change I made was I, I, I actually did a number of dry runs this week just to see where cigars were falling that I was you know a little bit familiar with and maybe not so much and it, it, what it came through to me was the uh, construction category in particular seemed to come through a little watered down because I was looking for a construction number or a deduction number for construction at too many points in the smoke. I was doing it before light and then at each third, and I didn't think that was necessary. And what was happening was if you did not compound those deductions for the duration of the cigar, uh, it, it lost a lot of uh, impact on the score. And, and to me, construction is uh, one of the uh, more major categories, so to speak. So I changed that. So now I, I have one set of deductions if I find something before lighting, and then further deductions if something comes up during the smoke, if it, you know, it plugs or, or, or whatever, uh, there will be deductions just at those two intervals. And what that's done is... Um, kind of balance out that score so that there's only two uh, scoring intervals in play there. And so the, hopefully that will hone in that score to, to reflect a little more accurately or at least consistently uh, going forward. Boy, you've got a, uh, a regular Floridian thunderstorm going on over there, don't you? Well, yeah, except it's not 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So it it's, uh, seems to be coming in fairly quickly. So if, if I lose you, we will uh, come back soon. Well, absolutely understandable. As uh, all-powerful as you are, you certainly do not have uh, that much control over uh, the weather, I suppose. Hmm. <laughs> Mm. I'm enjoying this cigar. I just threw in the chat room that I'm starting to get a little bit of a vegetal flavor too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. Not, uh, not maybe in a heavy-handed sense where I'm like, oh man, that's that's off-putting. But yeah, I know exactly what you're going for there, or what you're what's coming to you there. Um, and it's not really that I think it's young tobacco. It's just has kind of that little snapshot characteristic, the little, golly, I, I don't want to say what's coming to 
mine because that's not accurate. Um, I don't want to throw the word green in there because that's not what I mean, but that, I, don't, I don't have a better one. It has that little bit of an edge to it. There's... <sighs> I don't know. There's there's something here that reminds me of like an Avo or a private stock or something like that. I don't I don't know. I I can't put my finger on it, but it's making me it's making me lean that direction. Hmm. It's a little bit big for a lot of the Avos I've had, although I haven't really smoked very many of them since uh, larger cigars have become in vogue. So I might I might do a little searching on that and find out. We'll see how that goes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we got one final story here that really broke late this afternoon. Um, and the, the, the big news is that IPCPR has hired a new CEO. Um, they, you know, Bill Spann, Bill Spahn, I'm not exactly sure how you even pronounced his name, um, took off some time ago, a few months ago, and, and they have been searching, looking around ever since, but they've, they've brought in a gentleman named Mark Purcell. Um, and I was looking today at the press release, which I, I normally rewrite these things and try to gather a little more information if I can, but this one I put just directly as it came into the inbox, and you can see that over at the Cigarmy, uh, thecigarmy.com. Uh, and I was looking at his background in the press release, and he has a pretty specific background until this jump into the tobacco industry. And in that, his history is with the his most recent history is with the National Association of Home Builders. Um, before that, he had been with Associated General Contractors of America, the National Ready Mix Concrete Association, uh, United Nations Industrial Development Organization. Is the rain interfering with with you hearing me? No, not at all. Actually, you're uh, you're not even picking it up really to my ear. Okay, it's really loud here. Um, but anyway, he uh, had, like I said, a pretty somewhat focused background. And I got to be completely honest here. I'm a big fan of IPCPR. I think you know I, I'm not of the same opinion as Bob, who who's written them off for the most part. Um, I think they could still do some valuable things, but just one little snippet in this thing was a little off to me, and it, it, the only accomplishment that they showcased or featured in that press release was that his proven success in trade show management, publishment, publishing, education, and marketing and advertising businesses will allow him to take IPCPR to the next new levels. And I completely get what the IPCPR is. It's an association of retailers. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, they, they have taken it upon themselves to have some uh, legislative horsepower and some lobbying efforts. And I'm not sure that's a great match, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm not making a judgment right now, but I'm definitely looking at it with a keen eye and see what direction he's going to lead them if, if he's going to continue the growth they've had into, uh, you know, trying to gather forces and muster forces to help with the legislative issues that come up, because that's that's a big deal in the cigar world right now. And or if he's going to, you know, just strictly focus on the trade show and and the marketing and and whatnot. You know, I don't know what direction he's going to go. I guess is what it all boils down to. 
Well, <clears throat> you you point out the the one quoted statement, but um, I'll point out the the essentially what I read as like a goal or a summary and goal um, in just the second paragraph when they're talking about um, what he has done previously. Kind of the the summation statement or the penultimate statement here is he was instrumental in the continued success of the International Builders Show, the largest light construction trade show in the world. Like that's the that's his shining achievement that he was really good at the trade show. It's just it, it, I don't know I um I come at this from a little bit of a different angle than than you do. Uh, not that I disagree with your points whatsoever. It's just I have personal experience with National Association of Home Builders since uh, ultimately from 1999 I've been affiliated with them. I've been heavily affiliated as a personal company representative since 2005, and I've been actively chairing committees on a state and regional level since 2007. Um, the National Association of Home Builders was a broken organization. Now, the immediate response to, to my statement there is that 2008, 2009, 2010, and 2011 um, were the worst four years in the modern American home building um, uh, history. And I say modern as in post-World War II. That's essentially when modern development took place in this nation. Um, yes, I understand that they were horrific examples of um, that industry. That's not what I'm speaking to. What I'm speaking to is is during those times, I chaired committees about education and expanding modern or bringing modern technology, modern thinking, modern methods to the Home Builders Association. And I was met with nothing but apprehension and combativeness and an unwillingness to even see a benefit. Not an unwillingness to to side with me, an unwillingness to gaze at the possibility of a benefit of what the future and change could bring. And so that, to me, ultimately is systemic. You, you go up the ladder, you see what your mission is, what your mantra is as an organization, and how you position yourself, what you put down as an edict to lower levels, um, and how things like sustainable building, green construction, high-performance homes, um, building science, which is an irrefutable scientific view of why certain things happen in homes, things like moisture problems or um, <clears throat> um, oh my gosh, uh, warranty issues or common um, failures of building products. That's what sustainable home building or green building essentially is rooted in. It's not rooted in uh, let's save the earth. It's much more about building a better product with modern methods and communicating in modern ways. And the NAHB did not embrace that. Not only did they not embrace that, they poo-pooed that. Um, the state of Illinois, I was, I, I chaired the... Um, uh, the Energy Efficient Home Building Committee or Green Building Committee for three years, I was never once given an NAHB email address. They just viewed it as an ad hoc committee, not something that essentially would would uh, last. It was they, their indulgence to 
at that time I was uh, an architectural member. I was um, an associate, not an associate member. What the heck is it called? Doesn't matter. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't essentially a member as a builder. I was a member as an architect at that point. That was what my affiliation was, um, and it was just viewed as, oh well, we're indulging our our uh, fellow members who aren't builders. We'll let them do that, and it was. It it never solved itself. It never resolved itself. And I hold Mr. Purcell um, indirectly responsible for that for not allowing or directing the NAHB to come into the 21st century and to change things up and to embrace the fact that we're not saying that everything that was done was wrong. We're saying let's find out what was wrong and fix it. And that is exactly the problem that the IPCPR has been dealing with over the last five, ten years. And I expect it to not improve because I do not think that this uh, change in the CEO is demonstrating that IPCPR is addressing what so many people have viewed as a, a systemic um, weakness. It, it, it's maddening to me. It's disheartening. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm personally withholding judgment, but uh, I guess I got I <laughs> my opinion is not worth a crap to the IPCPR, but you know, uh, for what it's worth, that's that's kind of where I'm at, watching with a keen eye. I just think that you know, for those of us who represent kind of this new media and this new look on on the cigar industry, we need to be aware that. We have to be louder, not so much in a sense of we have to be uh, an opposition or we have to stake our claim that IPCPR is wrong. That's not it at all. But to me, an organization, quite frankly, an organization like the Cigar Media Association is it, – it, it only helps to benefit all of us. What it does is it gets everything on the table. It views allows everyone to view people with, I don't know, a, a qualified lens, shall we put it that way. And I just don't see that we as this new media or as consumers or as just another side of the cigar industry will be, I don't even want to say rewarded, but that's the only word that comes to, to mind, that we would be rewarded with, I don't know, uh, a seat at the table? Is it that simple? I, I, I'm really just prolonging what is the current mindset and not doing anything too frustrating to me. But, you know, it's one of those things where uh, we're going to deal with it, we're going to get past it, and we just need to strive a little more as uh, as a collective. So. Yep. I'm with you. Now I got frustrated. <laughs> Eh, don't get frustrated. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it one way or the other. Most certainly. Um, but what I also do want to say here is that uh, we don't mean for this to be uh, with a lot of confidence, but let's hope I'm wrong. How's that? Yeah. I, I kind of faded out there for about 30 seconds. One of the two of us were having a little bit of an issue. I'm not sure which, but I think we're, we're together now. Hmm. Okay, good, good. Well, um, I think we've, uh, hopefully it wasn't me who faded out, then my rambling is completely lost, and I don't think I could repeat it, but 
Um, we do have one final item here, which we certainly should share with our listeners, which is nearly as important, if not more, uh, than the IPCPR news, and it involves the FDA. Yeah, um, and we've talked about this a number of times, but <clears throat> the time is not getting any longer, but it is. <laughs> we, uh, we've talked about making our comments to the FDA. I have not published a... Um, an official kind of guide to this because there's a number of them out there already. Cigar Coop has done a good job. Half Wheel did a good job. Um, one other blog I'm having, maybe uh, Coop can help me. I think maybe it was Stogies on the Rocks. Um, put out some guides to making your comments and just kind of what you want to do, how you want to get your point across, uh, assuming you do want to preserve your uh, ease of use with cigars and uh, making the comments to FDA to try to maybe sway them one way or the other toward uh, uh, not governing so tightly as they would like. And we had an original date that was going to run out three weeks from yesterday, I believe. Correct. That has now been extended uh, 30 more days, so we have 50 days from now. we got seven more weeks until uh, early in August, uh, whatever that works out to. Um, seven weeks from tomorrow to make your comments to get over there to the website. Uh, if you could go back and past couple of weeks of half-ash summaries, I did put some links in there on uh, where to go and how to make your comments. Uh, but the the information's out there. I, I mean, we've we've talked through it many times already. I I, I can't ask you or implore any stronger for you to any more strongly for you to to go do that. It's not that hard. It takes just a few minutes, and hopefully somebody's reading them. Well, I um, there's a there's a part of me that thinks that somebody is reading it. That's why it was extended. Um, if they weren't going to give it two thoughts, I would imagine it wouldn't have been. Why would they have extended uh, it for no reason whatsoever? But what also troubles me is that two weeks ago or so there were rumblings that uh, it had already been decided that the comment period would be extended. But uh, along with those rumblings were the fact that we as the cigar public were going to lose, that it had already essentially been decided there would be an extension, but the extension would not prove to, um, to allow cigars, premium cigars, to be exempted. And so... Not that the decision has already been made, but what that proves to us is that that discussion is out there and it's a realistic option. And we need to be all the more committed to preventing that from happening. And I still believe that we can. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion. I just think that perhaps the, the pendulum is swinging a little more in the direction of regulation than it is exemption. And we need to get on board and prevent it from swinging that direction uh, when <laughs> when it stops, I guess. Yeah, exactly. An ounce of prevention versus a pound of cure. <clears throat> oh, amen. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about this cigar before we go on to some other interests. What, what, what you got going on with it right now? Well, I've, uh, I've talked a little bit more about this cigar uh, throughout the news than we normally do. Um, 
And that's been because it's held my interest. It's really occupied me, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, I've got probably about four and a half left, four and a half inches left. I'm starting to definitely get more of that woodsy flavor that I had just momentarily on the light, and that uh, really fell into the background and just kind of complemented that that pickled ginger flavor I was getting. Now I'm I'm definitely seeing that come to the foreground. Yeah, I, I am a full inch ahead of you in this cigar. Wow, really? Yeah, I got I just held it up to the card here, and I'm I'm looking just a smidge over, just a hair over three and a half inches left. Um, same kind of thing. The sweetness hanging around. I, I guess maybe I can see the pickled ginger thing a little more than perhaps earlier. N- not the candied ginger at all. I, I, don't, I don't get that that much sweetness from it. Just a little bit. Um, some of that woodsiness maybe has crept up a little more now that you, that you were talking about really early on. Um, I think it's a big cigar. It's not huge. It's not uncomfortable. It's not that. But I'm wondering if maybe by the end of this thing I'm going to be really fatigued. If maybe something like a Robusto or a Corona may have been a better fit for me if I were going to go buy this in the future. Well, I enjoy this cigar. I would consider buying it, actually. Oh, I would definitely consider buying the blend. I just think maybe I would try it in a different size. You know, thinking about the fact that I'm 75 minutes in, and what did we say this was? This was a six-inch cigar? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm 75 minutes in, and I'm an inch and a half into the cigar only. That's, uh, you know, hi yi yi Yeah, if I go twice that amount of time, it's a three-and-a-half-hour smoke, and I've still got an inch and a half left. That's that's big. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I'm getting at. It's not a knock on the cigar or the blend. It's just this this cigar is lasting a long time. It's a lot of tobacco. It is. I I didn't expect that. I uh, boy oh boy I I I've talked so many times about how I enjoy reviewing things in tandem with other people because it allows me to kind of build thought. Uh, trains of thought potentially get a little longer than just when I'm on my own, but that power of suggestion can also impact you too. Now I'm sitting here going, "Oh yeah, wow, I'm I'm only into the middle of this cigar, the second third of this cigar. Boy, that is starting to overwhelm me. Boy, am I getting palate <laughs> fatigue? Boy, do I need some more? Of the, I've got cookies over here for sugar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Kip. That's not at all my intention. <laughs> Well, let's see. What else we got here? What have you been smoking this week? Anything delightful? Not so delightful? No, I absolutely have had a delightful experience. I um, I lit up earlier a San Latano Oval Maduro. And as I've said a million and one times in my average everyday life, I would rather be proven wrong than, than not. Because if I'm proven wrong, usually I'm coming at it from a a negative standpoint to begin with. It's my nature to plan ahead and to try to prevent problems before they occur. And, uh, man, I love it when I'm expecting the worst and met with the best. This Oval Maduro was, is spectacular. I, uh, I saved probably the last three inches of it and <laughs> was going to light it up after this show was done. Uh, just a really, really 
great cigar after probably the first half inch. A gorgeous sweetness, a nice dusty core to it, um, enjoyable uh, citrusy notes, nice kind of leathery core, really, really deep, sweet, milk chocolatey flavor too. Oh, I love it. I just love that cigar. Forgot how much I liked it, actually. I don't believe I've smoked one of those since they very first came out. And oh, really? Was, not that I had any kind of issue with them. I just never got back around to them. Mm. Well, it is mighty tasty. <clears throat> I've had this one for quite a long time. I don't even remember when I bought it. So it may be a year plus old at this point. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, they've easily. been out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a couple or three cigars to talk about this week. Um, I think I'm going to do them in reverse order from what they are on the list. Uh, the the first slash third one on there, I was looking, I thought I still had a band here. Um, the uh, Sam LaCia Luchador, a little wrestling mask on the band, which is kind of <laughs> fun packaging, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that cigar. I did. I, I liked it the first time, and now I've smoked a couple more, and I think it is a much better cigar than I gave it credit for initially. And, and I never said anything negative. I liked it to start with, but man, it's 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 very good. It it I still hold. And it's funny we were on the uh, Stogie Geek show a couple weeks ago, and I talked about it, and Coop said. He thought it may be Sam's best work, or at least some of his best work, and I thought, nah, I don't know. I'm I'm partial to the black, and I probably still am a little partial to the black. But I oh, man, I, I'm really digging this cigar a lot. That Mexican wrapper, but not focused on the sweetness, is 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 the quickest, easiest, shortest way I can describe describe that cigar. Because a lot of times that Mexican San Andres can can be uh, played into by making a blend that's maybe a little too sweet, or if not, very sweet. And Sam didn't do that. It still has a good bit of punch to it, some some spice to it, um, but but I'm really digging it. I, I'm, I'm really liking that cigar, and it's, it's still brand new, but I'm four or five sticks into them now, and, and I, I think they're great. I personally definitely invest in those. Well... <laughs> I have to say, I um, I really wrote those off. I thought it was a gimmicky cigar, a marketing cigar that in a year we would all forget about. You know, the luchador, seeing the photos of Sam at the the, the wrestling matches, the the band on, uh, I'm sorry, the mask on the band, and I don't know. I I had my mind made up before um, those cigars ever even started being smoked, but I have heard more than a few people say that that cigar is just stuck on their top 10 list so far for 2014, and they don't imagine it's going to go anywhere. So IPCPR hasn't come around yet, and people making a statement like that, that makes me... But IPCPR is very close. Well, yeah, but I mean, point being is that people haven't had all the, the show cigars that have come out yet, and if they're still confident enough to say this one's going to be on my top ten already. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think it was a good move releasing it when he did. Of course, Cinco de Mayo kind of played into the theme, but it's out there enough to generate some steam before the show. He's not handing out samples to people 
who are smoking eight or ten cigars a day and saying, hey, let me know what you think about this and then come back and order some. Um, there's going to be some talk about it already going into the show. He's generated enough interest, I think, that it'll do well uh, during the show this year. I'll reach out and try them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely try them. Um, may not be your thing, but it's worth investigating. And I had a cigar also that I know very little about. This is a cigar you sent me early, early on, like maybe our first or second exchange of packages. Um, it was a custom roll Yolanda. That is I'm correct. Not familiar with it. I don't know the entire story there. It's a big uh, uh, diademus kind of shape. Uh, um, I guess that's how you describe it. I, you're the uh, Cuban Vitola master. Well, it's um, actually more of a figurato. Uh, uh, a diadema typically has is straight sided with um, a tapered. Oh, a diadema is typically straight sided with tapered um, head, similar to like a. Uh, um, a bellicoso, and then a, a figurato tip or a nipple tip. A Salomon is typically much more like a pyramid where it tapers the entire length of the cigar, has a tapered head, as well as the nipple foot. And so that was a Yolanda Salomonis, um, which Yolanda is a, uh, was, I'm not even sure if she still rolls. Um, a Cuban master roller who would produce what is commonly referred to as customs, um, although this was her straight Salomone Splend. Um, and I actually traded a friend of mine for a, a bundle of these years back, and um, they weren't really to my liking. So I'm interested to hear more about your thoughts since you uh, burned through it all. Well, it got off to a rough start. We traded a couple of texts about that. It, 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 I was having a great deal of trouble keeping it lit and making smoke. And even when it was clearly lit, it, it was like I was really trying to work just to get any kind of smoke out of it. But uh, yeah, maybe an inch or a little more into it, it finally kind of came around and smoked well. Uh, and, and when I first told you I had lit it, you said, how's the vegetal, floral kind of flavors to it. And, and I don't know that I got any of that vegetal kind of taste, but the, the floral flavors that came out of that thing were, were great. I, I enjoyed it. I would not go kill myself to nail down a, a wheel of them somewhere, but I thought it was a good smoke. Uh, um, there have been others you provided I like better. Let me see. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, this is, uh, at this point, it was 11 years old. These are from 2003, and I do not believe that it was a cigar that really had the legs to be smoked much past rolling. Not that it was bad at all. Not that it is bad, but um, I I just think that it needed more balls, more youth to go along with that kind of herbaceous um, floral core that's there currently. Yeah, and that's actually something I wrote down, that it seemed like maybe it had gone a little past its prime, that maybe it was on the the downhill side, that a lot of the uh, flavors probably were much bolder when it was younger, uh, because I I knew it was that old, Um, that that maybe they were a little more subdued or a little faded than would have been the original intent. 
what else we got? Oh, my last cigar I just smoked today, and I posted up a little snippet, not really a review, but a, a write-up about it because it, it went so well, actually. I um, got a package from Terry Johnson uh, several weeks ago now. I think we've talked about it the last couple of weeks and just got around to smoking it today. Um, there was just there were two cigars in there. One of them was just a regular production uh, Legend Reserve, I think, is natural. And the other was something new, and he, he just said, smoke it, tell me what you think. So I smoked it, and I told him what I thought. And I thought it was a fantastic cigar, and, and we talked a little bit about it before the show started. And, and um, it is the previous Legend Reserve 63 that Luis Sanchez has made for him for a year or so now. Uh, I believe that launched maybe just before IPCPR last year, and it, it had, but this version, the new version, the reborn version, I think he's calling it, uh, has, has a couple of tweaks. Had some internal changes that he didn't really want to talk about or divulge too much uh, about publicly. But the uh, main change to the blend was this Maduro. He changed from. Uh, the previous Habano Maduro wrapper to San Andres, and and it made an incredible difference. And it was a five and three quarter by forty four inch stick, uh, perfect size for me. And I smoked that thing and fell in love. I, I, Lewis and Terry are both friends of the show. We have no financial tie ups, but. I just I can't say how much I enjoyed that cigar. It, it was an excellent way to start the day today. It was you know fresh palate first thing this morning. I, I lit that thing up. And, um, you can go over to thecigarme.com and read my exact thoughts. There's nothing real complicated about it. A lot of really sweet bread kind of flavors in there, and I even took a very rare occasion and put. Uh, cinnamon as a descriptor on there. I almost never used that, but but it was so clear at different times in that cigar that it had that that uh, you know almost like a faint cinnamon roll kind of flavor to it, just a sweet cinnamon, not a, not a spicy cinnamon. Um, it, it started off with a heavy dose of spice. Actually, first couple of minutes through the nose were were, were really sharp. Uh, that quickly dissipated. Leveled off into that sweetness, stayed there, flirted around with the the sweetness, got some cedar uh, toward the end of it. The construction on this cigar was astoundingly good. Uh, the burn line was just razor sharp and straight the entire length of the thing. Um, uh, it performed admirably. And we'll see what happens. The one I was smoking was just a Parejo. It had not been pressed. I understand when they make it to market, they will be box pressed. Um, due to some of the changes in, in the blend and adding some more expensive tobaccos, the price will be a little more than the uh, former iteration. But uh, somewhere around the $9, $10 mark is the plan for this, this line. It's going to be available. Let's see. I think i got a list of what's available. In a five and three quarter by 44 that I smoked, it'll also be in five other sizes: uh, five and a half by 50, six and a half by 46, six by 54, 
six by fifty two torpedo and a seven by fifty. And I understand it's roughly a ten dollar average across the across that uh, range of sizes. Uh, I put in the review, it's a mini review. It's not a formal review because it was one cigar pre-production, so I don't don't usually write up a review for something like that. Um, put in there, it's always tough to introduce a cigar to market, you know, in that ten dollar plus range, and, and maybe even more tough. If it's an existing line that's just been reblended into something that costs a little more, but I think if he can get it out there and get it into the hands of some people, uh, some retailers, and all, I think he's going to have, you know, a, a good success with it. it. It, if they can make them like that every time, he ought to be able to sell a gazillion of them. They, they, it was a very good cigar. You want to know what <clears throat> my favorite thing? About your uh, cigar me review was was it your second to last sentence, and it was I have no higher recommendation to give. I I read that I so I read your mini review, which is actually not so mini. It's it's quite good, um, and I was intrigued. I I really like Terry's stuff. Um, Specifically, the Tempio, I think, is a, a gifted cigar. It's one of those that is upper echelon, no doubt. Um, <clears throat> I think that that Luis is uber-talented, just across the spectrum. Mild to strong, he has the ability to blend it well. So I'm really, really, really interested in this cigar from that perspective. Then I read that sentence from you, and that's not something I hear from you very often. I have no higher recommendation to give. That's that was about as much of a, <laughs> uh, a a fire under my rear end to go out and try to beg, borrow, and steal, and call Terry and try to get some of these samples myself because well, I want to try them. <laughs> he doesn't have them right now. I uh, inquired there. There, what he brought back with him, that was it. That that was all of them um, in July. Around the show, he said he's bringing, I believe, the initial 500 boxes in uh, into the country. Uh, I, man, I, I hope production is as good as these, and they'll be a lovely cigar. Well, me too, because I want to smoke exactly the same blend and ex- have the exactly the same experience that you had today. <laughs> you and me both. Mm. It, it was a it was a breath of fresh air, which is weird to say about a cigar, but that's that's <laughs> very cool, very cool. So, what you been enjoying with the world of cigars lately? Well, as I said earlier, I've got uh, I've got two things and. We're running uh, pretty good on time here, so I might just keep the one in that we've got in the notes right now and save the second, um, the one that I kind of had that that uh, simple realization on earlier in the notes. I might save that for next week. Excuse me. But this one to me, was it's not really too related to cigars, uh, except the fact that I purposely enjoyed... Well, I purposely uh, pondered this because of our show tonight. I'll put it that way. So it's a 
it's a technique or an idea called ASMR, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Um, and what that is, just boiled down very simply, is um, audible and visual stimulation can in turn um, uh, promote a physical response from someone in the sensation of tingling down their spine. And it is actually a physical representation of relaxation. Um, and that, to me, was uber interesting. Um, I think I've used Uber tonight twice. <laughs> what the heck that, is that? You've used that bad boy a couple times. <laughs> hey -o. Uh <clears throat> So, as I mentioned, I had a really rough week. Really rough week. So much so that... You know, it was Friday night. I'd eaten dinner, put our kids to sleep. Um, honestly, I wasn't in the mood to do the show tonight. I needed to chill out. I needed to relax. I needed to kind of just unwind and just hit reboot and be done with the week. And to come on and to be social and to talk for two hours and to try to be entertaining um, didn't sound like something I was going to really be able to do. So I frantically search the internet for ways to do uh, a kind of a quick relaxation and this just sounded interesting. So I sat in front of uh, my monitor on YouTube looking up ASMR um, <laughs> videos or, or uh, just recordings and I watched a couple of them and I gotta say this sounds to me like holistic doctor mumbo jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> it was the the furthest thing from from spine tingling and physical sensation inducing. It didn't. It relaxed me because you're listening to people whisper and listening to kind of uh, like white noise. You know, people scratching on on uh, wood or sliding things across a surface and, you know, having stereo uh, sound in your headphones, you're hearing it slide from the left side of the speakers to the right side. And it's supposed to induce kind of a, a cleansing sensation. And it was just total mumbo-jumbo. Like, I feel like I'd be sitting uh, um, on a table somewhere getting acupuncture saying, really, is this supposed to be doing anything? Like, I can just see myself in that sort of incredibly awkward moment going, this is not doing a thing for me. Uh, so I guess, in turn, that kind of chuckle and the relaxation and the complete change of mind from, oh my gosh, I need to relax, what can I do? It did cleanse me, but it cleansed me not because I was able to de-stress. It cleansed me because I was able to laugh at how much of a garbage <laughs> it seemed like. And uh, put me in a good mood. And I lit up a cigar, and it was uh, ready for showtime. So I guess it did kind of work, but yeah, I guess it did kind of work by not working. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. thought that was funny. It was, it was something I needed. Uh, you know, the relaxation was something I needed, but I did not get it in the way that I thought. So look <laughs> it up, ASMR. It. Uh, tell me if you get any of these spine tingling. I don't know. Maybe that gets a little goofy, but I will do I think that. It's crap. But I don't know how much time I'm going to spend listening to people scratching on wood or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how is the chat room not destroying us for talking about this right now? <laughs> the, the 
30 second delay. They haven't gotten to it. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you want to, let's save the, the second item I was talking about for next week. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're a week behind on this, this particular email tonight. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get to this. So. Cool. Yeah, um, well, you want to take this one? This one was actually sent to you. It was. Uh, a listener, Jonathan, um, sent me a note, and I I mentioned last week that I this might be the most enjoyable listener email I've ever received, um, and I'm quite excited to talk about it here because it's an idea that I hope more people take on, and uh, it's something that I hope Jonathan enjoys doing as well. So he writes, I was a loyal fan of and listener of Dogwatch and was introduced to you through that and have now become a fan of Half-Ashed as well. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, uh, he says, my wife and I are expecting our first child in August, and I would like to follow your lead in purchasing a box of cigars to age and eventually share with my son when he is 18. Do you have any specific recommendations for a cigar to age, any specific types of tobacco to consider, any guidelines for choosing uh, and caring for cigars that will be aged that long, I'd appreciate any advice you can give. And I read this, and it was one of those, hallelujah, you know, I love this idea. I bought a box of cigars years ago to save for a special event, and it just so happened that that time that I saved it for was the birth of a child. Um... So this box of cigars was already aged. Uh, it was a cigar that I knew could stand up to further aging. Um, and uh, so I have kind of given this some thought. So what I do is every year on my son's birthday, I uh, I smoke one of the cigars. Um, then I seal it back up. I don't even open the box until the next year. And it's it's a really fun experience because it makes you sit back and think about the day and think about what's to come and um, I, it's just I don't know it is uh, a really really great way for you to celebrate um, as a father or as someone who's I mean if you use it for a wedding anniversary that would be equally as enjoyable for my best friend, I was uh, I was in his wedding and I bought him um, a couple cases of wine. I bought him 20 bottles of wine, I think, two cases of wine, 24 bottles, whatever it was. Um, and it was from his favorite vineyard. Uh, and I thought I told he and his wife every year open up a bottle and have them on your uh, on your anniversary. So it's kind of a neat idea that you can just kind of relive beautiful moments in your life. So. Now, to address Jonathan's perspective, um, he had some pretty specific questions, and um, I gave him some of my thoughts. Look for tobacco that isn't necessarily modified or genetically engineered, um, old-school Corojo or Criollo strain tobacco, um, a cigar that has a lot of legs to it, something that doesn't necessarily have to be strong, but something that when you smoke it, the cigar feels like, there's more to it. Look for things like a short finish um, that at times can make me feel as if a cigar has a lot of tannins and therefore has a lot of uh, uh, structure to the tobacco that it would take a while to break down. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, and then actually caring for the cigars, how to do that. Um, like I said, do not open that box of cigars 
but every year when you take a single cigar out to smoke it, make sure that that box always stays full. So look for something that is a common size that you can replace with another cigar, just a single. You don't have to worry about carryover or oils um, migrating from one cigar to the next. I really don't think that that's going to be a huge issue. But try to limit the oxygen in that box um, and try to limit any new air or an air change from experiencing. So maybe put that box of cigars into a, a heavy food-grade um, four-mil plastic Ziploc bag um, and put it in the bottom of your cabinet humidor or uh, somewhere where you've got a nice, consistent humidity level and a nice, consistent temperature level and try to keep those as low as you're comfortable with. Probably in the low to mid-60s would be a reasonable um, uh, level, and I know many people will even put that even lower than that if you're going to age long-term. But any lower than low to mid-60s, you need to consider kind of rehydrating or reintroducing the cigars before you smoke them. Um, so probably 65%, maybe 63, somewhere in that range, percent as well as temperature would be ideal for that long-term aging. Um, as we said with those Yolandas, 11 years old and the cigar is definitely on its downswing. Um, you don't want to, you know, have this, this incredible moment with your son when he turns 18 and then hand him a dog rocket. Um, so I, I just... I think those are my perspective. That's my perspective. And uh, Kip, I'd be interested to see if you have any thoughts yourself. No, I would absolutely echo everything you just said. Um, I, I did have a specific cigar in mind that, that if it were me, what I would put aside. I don't know if you got that far or not. Um, I did not. I do not have. Well, you know, I did give him one suggestion, um, but I'd I'd like to hear yours. Well, we talked about this blend as recently as one week ago, and we both had smoked one the week before and both enjoyed them, and uh, I had more of those this week. I had the Corona Gorda Don Pepin Garcia Blue, uh, that original blend, and I had the Lancero, and I think both would stand up to aging, but they're not so strong today that you're not going to enjoy them. I think they'll, they'll do fine at any length of time, but that Lancero in that blend I think is a special cigar. Um, it's not mm. it's not one you encounter every day. It's not hard to find, but it's not extremely common. But they're out there. They're available. Um, they're good enough to be special, approachable, and findable to make up a ridiculous word enough to <laughs> to get them and I love them I think they're fantastic smokes I think they got the legs to to stand up for some number of years and they're smokable right now right off the, the truck hmm. very very nice I, I did not go that direction I was looking for something my uh, recommendation to him was something that um I tried to think of something that really left you with the sensation that the cigar was not peaked yet. It wasn't ready yet, rather than a cigar that was ready but had the ability to stay in that kind of sweet spot for later or for longer. Um, yeah. I suggested that La Verite that uh, we've talked a little bit about on the show and will smoke later on on the show. Yeah. 
Um, so. There is a sizable portion of this experience that will be the experience and not the cigar. But you want the cigar to be as good as you can. But I was just I was thinking about a comment that just Officer Paul, the supplier of our Unbanded tonight, uh, just said in the chat room that on my wedding day, my father-in-law gave me the last cigar out of the box he bought when my wife was born. It was old, dried out, tasteless, and one of the greatest cigars I ever had. <laughs> huh. Uh, I, I can absolutely get that. I know uh, exactly what he's saying. But at the same time, if you can make it a good cigar, all the much better. Amen to that. Well, I think we're nearing the end of the show, but I think we probably ought to talk a little more about this cigar tonight before we wrap up. Well, I have let this cigar go out because I was so infatuated with that discussion. So let me relight. Why don't you give uh, your final thoughts on it, and then I'll wrap it up on my end. Certainly. I I am relighting as well. Um, I think the uh, overall, I guess coming into this, I'm I'm looking right now. I just knocked the ash off because it had gone out, and I don't know if this will pick up on the camera, but there's a hole just off center of this cigar. Can you see that? Let me get to it. I'm still on the notes. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm going to focus. That thing is, I mean, I I cannot see the bottom of it. I don't know what's going on inside this cigar. But anyway, it didn't impact the the smoking any, except it did just go out uh, just while you were talking, and I was still smoking it. It just went out. Um, The uh, acidity of this cigar really picked up. It's a a lot more mouth-watering in the past 20 minutes or so than it was early on. Um, and I'm picking little pieces out of the head here of, a, of the cigar. And it's, it was strange to me that this was more dense in the foot, but now you know, I can pull little pieces out. Little, can you see the size of that? I can, yeah. I mean, just, So it's clear they did put the, the tips in the head of the cigar. I don't know why it was seemed to be more dense at the foot, but that's a side note. Um, in any event, still enjoying the cigar. It has gotten a little more acidic. Um, maybe has I, I'm down now. Let me grab my card here. I got about two and a half inches of cigar left, and it is maybe just starting to think about saying I'm done. It's it's not harsh. It's not bitter. It's still smoking very well. I'm just saying it's it's about to take that turn, or at least it seems that way right now. Still kept that sweetness for the duration all the way till now. Still some sweetness there, but it's it's tinged with a little uh, acidity. Uh, it's not a cloying sweetness. It's not a, not the syrupy sweetness I was imagining from just smelling it before I lit. Um, I dig it. I, I don't have a guess about what it is right at the moment, but it's been an enjoyable cigar. Well. I've I've shared a lot about the cigar. I'm getting a little bit more of like a spicy sweetness to it, that kind of Dominican spicy sweetness that I've talked about before. Um, uh, I'm noticing probably more than anything that <clears throat> the strength has picked up to me as it's uh, approaching the end. I do not have a guess. I'd say that there are Dominican aspects to it and a few Nicaraguan aspects. Um a few of the aspects of the cigar make me think that it's a blend. 
Um, I do not think that it's uh, an Ecuadorian wrapper. I'd say that it's probably primarily Dominican components, um, but there could be other areas. You had mentioned Brazilian. I'm not familiar enough with Brazilian or Costa Rican or some of those other kind of niche um, uh, growing regions that have some of those unique sweetnesses to them, but it makes me think that maybe it has some of that to it as well. Either that or it's just high-quality um, Dominican tobacco that really, really is a I will say cigar. Also, throw in there that after relighting this while I was talking, the spice there is markedly more than it has been at any point in the cigar, and and it's not just the typical fresh relight harshness. It, it is a definite spice and tingle through the nose. Hmm. So you have the envelope. What is it? Well, I am blown away. I have not had a cigar of uh, from them before, and we are wrong with the Dominican. Mm. This is a two six two cigars. Oh, uh, Clint Aaron. He's the owner of that company. Um. Well, do, do you have any more information? Yes, I do. I have uh, substantial information. Sorry, I'm looking at both the band and uh, a little write-up. This is a pretty unique band. Difficult to read. Might be less than marketable, but beautiful nonetheless. Um, and the story here is... Um, excuse me. I'm getting some family text messages I need to address. I apologize. Um... The government has the story says the government has imposed unfair and increasingly higher taxes on cigars and restrictive smoking bans in order to raise money <clears throat> uh, for their own programs. They advance this agenda while tightening the noose on small business owners and middle class workers alike. These taxes and smoking bans are just a few examples of the many devices being imposed that are destroying jobs, lowering incomes, and ultimately crippling our economy. Underneath the turmoil and anger of the once revered connoisseurs of our beloved leaf, there brews revolution. An uprising of global proportions is stirring, and it and its proponents will be silent no more. I think we just, got, we just got on a blacklist somewhere. <laughs> the cigar. The February 2012 release of this cigar will be marked, will mark the 50th anniversary of the Cuban embargo, signed into effect by President Kennedy. Close. Uh, 262 cigars and released... Excuse me. 262 produced and released only 262 boxes of 10 for the Manifesto line. Only 10 stores in the U.S. were hand-selected by Clint Aaron, president of 262. as his way of saying thanks to his top retailers for all their support and enthusiasm for the brand. Each store received 26 numbered boxes. And the blend is Honduran Criollo 98 wrapper. A double binder is also Honduran Criollo 98, as well as Indonesian tobacco. Indonesia. And filler is Nicaraguan and Honduran. Dun, dun, dun. Very, very interesting. It is. I didn't get that spiciness of the Criollo or the Nicaraguan in there, it actually came across much more subdued and sweet than I would have ever guessed from reading that blend alone. Well, I absolutely am blown away by this cigar. I, I found it to be surprising. 
It's one of those things. I don't feel surprised by cigars that often. I did tonight. And I'm very happy about it. Yeah. Mm. I'm still digging it. I'm, you know, like I said, down, getting inching toward that two-inch mark and still smoking like a champ. And for a bigger cigar, that's saying something when you get down this far and it's still mm. good. Well, thank you, Paul. Appreciate that greatly. This uh, this was a fitting cigar for an enjoyable show. Yes, and Sunday marks the fifth anniversary since uh, the S chip fiasco began. Huh. Do you uh, maybe want to close us up a little bit, my man? Sure. Next week we will be smoking the. Somewhat new Tatuaje Tattoo Caballeros, which are the uh, cigars I talked about, uh, I don't know, been a couple months ago now. And they uh, came out, and this is the m- more value-aligned Tatuaje. You can get these for about 5 bucks. Um, excited to smoke it. I smoked one when they first came out, and, well, actually two, I guess, and have not had any since. So uh, I'm... I'm waiting to surprise myself this upcoming week. So be sure and come back by and uh, check out the show next Friday night. Somewhere is about 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Time at halfash.com. Don't know when we're ever going to get a chat relation sharing thing going back with Cigar Federation, but we will as, as soon as that's possible. But in the meantime, if you'd like to get in contact with uh, either of us, you can get us uh, Craig at thecigarmy.com or Kip at thecigarmy.com and uh, let us know what you're thinking. Let us hear from you. We'd love it. And uh, whether it's good or bad, you can trash us if you want. We can ignore those. And, um, <laughs> just teasing. We don't just ignore them. We delete them too. And, um, <laughs> if you have a suggestion for an unbanded cigar, just like we smoked tonight, you can Email that to info at thecigarmy.com, where my wife will get the email, have one of my local cohorts source the cigars, and deband them before we smoke them. But if you have a submission, just as Officer Paul was kind enough to do for us for this week, you can uh, contact either of us at those emails I just gave, and uh, we'll hook you up with an address to send them to. But in the meantime, for the second time in the meantime, um, you can check out Halfash.com, we usually, uh, every week, post the show summary and links to everywhere you want to get us. You can find us uh, there. You can find us Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot. You can uh, dial in and subscribe to the show through iTunes or uh, Stitcher Radio. I'm now uh, got us pumping through there as of this past week. We should be good to go. So I think we have the bases covered any which way you want to subscribe. Heck, if you don't even have a... Uh, one of the mainstream podcasters, you can subscribe directly to our RSS link there on the homepage and uh, and get you all connected. You can catch the show every week, whether you're live or not. But if you can come by live, we'd love to have you in the chat room. And uh, you can also check out my random ramblings and new review architecture and poke fun at that if you like at thecigarmy.com. I should have some fresh new extensive reviews coming up in the next uh, few days and few weeks and forever going forward and uh, I'd be happy to have you well I uh, I first of all have to apologize I've been slightly distracted the last 10 minutes some uh, family issues going on um, <clears throat> it's 
an amazing thing to have a cell phone and a terrible thing uh, <laughs> all at once. Um, I think tonight what I need to say is that this show goes out to my wife, who uh, is not only the best partner I could want, but is also helpful when uh, when I don't even know I need it. So to Ellie, you are the best thing to ever happen to me. The best person I've ever met in my life, without question. The best thing to ever happen to me, too. Uh, I love you, honey. And you will never listen to this, but I know that I've meant it. So, <laughs> so folks, from all of us here at Half Ash, to all of you, wherever you are, thank you for listening. Good night, everybody. Take care. <laughs>